Welcome back to Baladan. I'm Kobe Cohen. When gaps between Israel and Israelis to American Jewry grow, one Jew wanted to expand the conversation and alter the dialogue. Moshe Samuels, CEO of Shazur and co-creator of the acclaimed Israeli TV miniseries The New Jew, is one of those people working to bring Israeli point of view to Americans and American Jews' point of view to Israelis. The New Jew starred Guri Alfi, one of Israel's most acclaimed comedians, and was aired on prime time on Khan 11, Israel's national broadcasting network. I am excited to have him as our guest today to discuss The New Jew, why it was important to create it, and what Israelis and Americans are blindsided to. So welcome, Moshe, to Balagan. Thank you so much, Kobe. It's great being here. And it's great to have you here. Thanks. So, Moshe, tell us, I mean, what Israelis need to know about American Jewry? Like, who cares? Well, the, the truth is that Israelis need to know everything about American Jewry. Amer is we, as Israelis, grow up inherently with this concept of uh, negation of the diaspora, Shrilata Gola. And as a result, we express no interest whatsoever in Jewish life in North America. And that's, that's very problematic because if we claim to be the nation state for the Jewish people, right, the Jewish home, then we cannot ignore the fact that Jews express their Jewishness and live different types of Jewish life outside of Israel. I think that, you know, if, if we're concerned about the future of the Jewish people, then we need to be able to admit to that and say, okay, we want to learn more about how Jews, you know, live their Jewish life outside of Israel. There's a sense of arrogance that we have as Israelis about the fact that the only place to live an authentic Jewish life is in Israel. And I discovered in my journeys and in my encounters with North American Jewry is simply not true. Obviously, the Jewish life in Israel is extremely powerful and, and robust and, and rich, but that does not mean that that is not possible outside of Israel. And that was kind of like what we were trying to get to in the show and, and what we were trying to have Israelis understand is that while our life in Israel as Jews, again, is extremely rich and positive and, and impactful, the same thing, you know, is true to Jews living outside of Israel. You know, you mentioned Jewish life. Shlilat Gola is a term that the Zionist movement took really strong mm -hmm. and made it the whole meaning of Zionism to form a nation state for the Jewish people. But eventually, forming the establishment of Israel made uh, Judaism, uh, I would say, uh, a bit stoned. Mm. And it's more diverse in the diaspora. Now, I want to touch your personal journey mm -hmm. uh, within the Jewish life, because mm -hmm. you come from a Jewish-American home. That's true. Yes. So you share both worlds. And what is the big difference that you saw? I mean, tell us a little bit about your personal journey. That's great. So actually, I grew up in an American home in Israel. So I was born in Chicago, Illinois, and we moved to Israel when I was three years old. For very idealistic reasons. My parents were diehard Zionists. They wanted to live uh, on a moshav and become farmers. And they, they actually did. They tried it out for a few years and failed miserably and eventually moved to the city. But I grew up in Israel as a child of immigrants. Uh, of American immigrants, and I always felt as an outsider in Israel. I was always the American friend. I was always somebody that 
you know, the music that we listened to at home was different than my Israeli friends and the food that we ate was different. And I was embarrassed to bring friends home and meet my parents because my parents spoke with a very weird accent. And really throughout my entire life, I was, I'm not life, my entire childhood, I was very ashamed of my American heritage. And then something really interesting happened. After my army service, I was sent, like many other Israelis, to a Jewish summer camp in North America. And that was the first time in my life when I was the Israeli, because I was representing the state of Israel. And that was a very impactful moment for me, because suddenly, like, wow, I, yes, I do belong to Israel. And more than that, because I, I am bicultural, I'm able to curate Israel to American Jews in a much more impactful and effective way. And I kind of like got hooked onto this concept of being a shaliach and ended up spending 16 summers in Jewish summer camps and ending up going back for three long shlichuyot in North America and developed a career in Israel as somebody who does Israel education for American Jews and all the ASA programs, gap year programs, all of that. And, and that led me eventually to uh, a four-year stint in the Upper West Side in uh, New York as a shaliach. And as my shlichut was coming to an end, I asked myself, you know, what's, what's next for me when it comes to my career? And as I was throughout my time, my term as a shaliach in New York, a lot of key moments in Israel-North American relationship took place. You know, the cancellation of the Western Wall compromise, the nation state law, Bibi Netanyahu visiting Congress and pissing off, you know, 75 percent. Yeah, what can I say? 75 <laughs> percent of liberal American Jews. And not process. only them, also the entire Democratic right, Party. Right, Party, yeah. and really making Israel a, a partisan issue, right? And all these moments are, you know, and his support for Donald Trump and whatnot. So Israel, throughout the last six, seven years, has become this real contentious issue, a really charged issue, and. I was a shaliach representing, you know, Israel during all this period of time and really struggling with this. And I realized that if we're talking about this growing gap between Israelis and American Jews, then we can't just say, oh, we just need to teach Americans more about Israel and do Israel education. But it's about time that we take responsibility and say, actually, we don't know enough about you, about American Jews. And I felt that's a niche that has not been filled yet. And I decided that my next phase of my career is to teach Israelis about Jewish life in America. So that's like what led me up to the series, which was really an attempt of mine to bring the narrative of American Jews into every living room in Israel on primetime television and hopefully, you know, create a conversation among the everyday Israelis that otherwise would express no interest whatsoever in this topic. You mentioned that you were a shaliach, and actually the first time we met was in New York, mm -hmm. um, when you were actually leading an Israeli group called Gvanim. Mm -hmm. And from my point of view, I grew up in Israel. I knew American Jews, and for me, most of them were settlers, of course. It wasn't from the Jewish uh, perspective. It was more from the political uh, point of view. But I never had any thought about American Jewry. The only thing I knew is that, you know, they go and they intermarriage, they are losing their faith, and they actually have no connection to Jewish life. And what I failed to see, and I think that a lot of, I would say, secular Israelis, not only them, but secular Israelis in particular, are failing to see that in many ways, Judaism outside of Israel is flourishing in many other ways than the, I would say, 
אורתודוקס או אולטרה אורתודוקס דפינישן או הלכתיק דפינישן או ג'ודאיזם here. You worked with Israelis as well, mm-hmm. trying to bring them and I want you to share your perspective on Israelis living in the US and what are they failing to see and if they can be a part of the Jewish community as well. Yeah, I think in many ways Israelis moving abroad feel like they have to represent this concept of negation of the diaspora even more in an absurd way, right? Because I mean, they're choosing to live abroad. So they have to, I think in many ways, justify the fact that they are not like American Jews. They are Israeli. They are something different, right? In many ways, in order to do that, they need to say, well, actually, we agree that the authentic Judaism and the future of Judaism is in Israel. And that's why we hold on, we grasp to this Israeli identity that we have and are not willing to explore other expressions of Jewish life in the country that we immigrate to, in America. So in many ways, they become like these ultra-Zionists in many ways, like saying, no, the Israeli identity, that's where it's at. That's, where, that's what's going to persevere throughout this postmodern era and interfaith marriage and whatnot, right? Because the authentic expression of Judaism and, and the most impactful and powerful way to be Jewish is secular Israeli cultural Judaism, which is flourishing in, in Israel, which is a success story eventually. We can't ignore that Zionism succeeded and that Jewish life in Israel really is flourishing. Unfortunately, that doesn't allow them to see the alternative. It doesn't allow them to see the fact that at the same moment in history, we, do, we talk about this in the series as well, but there was this moment in time in history in which Jews from Eastern Europe had to choose On what boat they go to what ship are they going on a ship to Palestine and forming a Jewish nation state or are they going on a ship to the Golden Medina to, to North America and integrating and flourishing there and Israelis I think because of the fact that they had to go through all this hardship in Israel and still go through a hardship in Israel you know financially security wise whatnot need to justify their choice to get on the ship to Israel and say no this is really the only place that Where Jewish life has a future. And American Jews kind of contradict that theory. Wait a minute, no, there's another Jewish community that's flourishing just as much as the one in Israel, just in very different ways. In many ways, there are two models of new Jews that came to the world in 1882 when people had to make this choice on what ship to get to go to Israel or to go to America. And that's really what our show is trying to address. It's trying to address the fact that we grew, just we grew apart from that moment, from that split. You know, one sibling could choose to go to, to Israel and the other one could choose to go to America. And the trajectory of that led to very different types of Jews, of Jewish life, that both of them are equally strong or equally flourishing, but seem to speak a very, very different language. And Israelis coming to the U.S. are not willing to acknowledge that, are not willing to make that effort to say, you know what, I want to get to know the model that developed here that's authentic to what's happening in America. Yeah, which is completely different than being a majority here. I mean, for me, the big difference when you're talking about it, I moved to the U.S. 11 years ago. And the big thing was that in Israel, everything is Jewish by default. Mm-hmm. The holidays and the Shabbat are on the calendar. You don't need to ask if you're not working, like in the U.S., if you're working in a Jewish organization, you have no problem with high holidays. But if you're working in the corporate world, you need to ask for a vacation. 
if you're looking for a, a kosher food, you really need to put the effort on finding it. And if you need to, you know, to support the community, then since you have separation of state and religious in the US, nobody is funding the shul unless you want to be a part of it. And Israelis are still, they live in a different mindset. But when you were bringing the new Jew mm -hmm. to Israelis, you were bringing all of that. And what was the feedback that you received? That's actually really amazing. So yeah, we dedicated a big part of the series to talk about the fact that Judaism in Israel is the default and that an American Jews have to make an active choice constantly if, when, how they express their Jewish identity. And then in many ways, we as Israelis actually should appreciate them for that a lot more because they go the extra mile. They actually put up in a lot more effort than we do. And, and that deserves recognition. And the first episode, like the first, really the first moment that we're trying to introduce American Jews, this is the topic of that first episode. And what we've heard from people who viewed it and, and Guri, the, the, Guri Alfi, the comedian that, that uh, hosts the show, says this very well, is that he received from many people, his, you know, other comedians that he knows, they told him, listen, when we started watching the show, we're sure this is going to be like, we're going to be laughing at American Jews. It's going to be kind of like a Sasha Baron Cohen type series. Right, where American Jews, it just, it just shows us how ridiculous they are and how we're much better than they are. And that really changed their perspective to the point that we heard from other comedians and from other people in the industry that actually know this show ignited a will to explore how much Judaism can they integrate in their family and in their homes. And we're hearing from other comedians that, you know what, they decided after watching the show that they're going to start doing Kiddush at their homes. They're going to start celebrating Shabbat in a meaningful way for them, not a halakhic way, not an orthodox way, because also I think one thing that the series did is that it gave them legitimacy to express Judaism not in the orthodox way that Israel has, a, you know, orthodoxy has a monopoly in Israel, and you think, okay, if I have to do Jewish, I have to do it in a very specific way, and suddenly the series showed that you could do it in many different ways. It doesn't have to be halakhic at all, it could be cultural, it could be, you know, and and suddenly we're hearing from many secular Israelis that it gave them the legitimacy to explore their Jewishness and how much Judaism they want to integrate in their life, which is wonderful. We also hear from the other side, this is something that surprised me. We know now for a fact that the series was viewed by a lot of Orthodox and even ultra-Orthodox Jews. It was actually a hit in the Haredi world. You know, ultra-Orthodox Jews don't watch all TV yeah. channels. They do watch National Broadcasting Network in Israel because it's considered more and more kosher. Also, it's all the contents in Hebrew, which helps if you don't know English. And, and it's free. So you and don't it's need free. to have cable TV. Exactly. It's free. It's on YouTube. Anyone can watch it in Israel. And I guess what, what drew them was the fact that there's, you know, the word Jew appears in, in the title and said, oh, a show about Jews must be interesting. And it totally blew their mind. We know that like the generated a serious conversation about the legitimacy or illegitimacy of Reform Judaism, of cultural Judaism, of, of whatnot. And in many ways, it kind of like opened their eyes to the options that are out there, the diversity that's out there, to the point that we now know that there is actually uh, rabbinic authorities in the ultra-Orthodox world that started spreading rumors about, about Guli, about, about the creators of the show, to delegitimize the show so people stop watching it. Yeah, reforms. It, well, reform is, <laughs> is the least of it. They're spreading things that are, you know, probably a lot worse from what I'm hearing. 
But I've been stopped, you know, I now live in Jerusalem. I've been stopped by multiple ultra-Orthodox Jews that recognized me from the TV series and expressed how much they enjoyed watching it and how much they've learned from it, which was always surprising for me to, to, to see. You're mentioning now that even ultra-Orthodox, or what in America they call Haredim, mm-hmm. I mean, in Israel we just call them Haredim, and right. uh, we're also watching it. There are growing gaps, and you mentioned them, between Israel and Israelis and diaspora Jewry, and mainly with American Jewry, which most of it is not Orthodox, and most of them are Democrats and progressives. How do you think that a TV show like The New Jew can shift the conversation or build a new dialogue with American Jewry? I don't think the show was geared towards changing how Israelis think or their political views or their religious belief. We're not preaching in any way and we're not trying to tell Israelis, oh, you should really be more like American Jews. They've got it right. I think we need to acknowledge the fact, like I said earlier, that there's two models of Jewish life. One said, we believe that the future of Judaism is auto-emancipation in Israel and therefore strengthening the particularistic elements of our Jewish identity. We're coming back to our homeland. We're speaking our language. Right? We believe in our strong army and our culture and our religion and whatnot. And the other which said, no, we actually think that emancipation can work. Even though it failed in Europe, it can work in America and actually proved that to be right. And in that case, they defined their Judaism in universalistic terms and universal terms, right? Of democracy and freedom and quality human rights, and human and rights. rights. And both of these models are positive and both of these models can generate a lot of wonderful Jewish thought and action. And in many ways, the Jewish world benefits from having both of those voices, strong voices, in the Jewish people. What we want Israelis to recognize, what the shift that we wanted Israelis to recognize is that there is this inherent difference between us, and differences are okay. Differences enrich our lives, and Jews living outside of Israel deserve respect and deserve acknowledgement and deserve to be heard, even if not agreed with, but we should be able to hear them and have this dialogue that eventually will enrich our lives as well here in Israel. That's what we were striving for. I don't think that the new agey synagogues that we visited on the show necessarily will work in Israel. I'm not sure that that's the spiritual need that Israelis are looking for. It's a different mindset. And I'm not sure that political views of You know, many progressive American Jews, while, you know, are very much aligned with realities and the political challenges that Americans are facing, they might not be suitable, they might not be relevant for our reality in Israel. You know, issues of race in America are real issues, and the language that's developed there addresses that charged topic there, but that language might not be relevant in describing the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Not saying that the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is not an issue, not saying that there isn't racism involved, but the same language can be implemented on both conversations. So I don't think that we could copy-paste Jewish life, American reality, and bring it to Israel, import it to Israel as is. I do think, again, that we as Israelis need to acknowledge the fact that side-by-side to a really powerful Jewish community in Israel that was developed over the last 75 years, 
another miracle happened to the Jewish people and another epicenter of the Jewish world developed as well in America and should be celebrated. I want to ask you something because you were talking about the miracle of establishing the state of Israel. And if we're looking on, on the Jewish perspective, eventually if we'll go to the first temple and the second temple, eventually the old temples didn't last that long. And now, you know, the state of Israel, which is a miracle and some see it as the third temple in a way, is also struggling, I mean, in internal affairs. I wouldn't even look at the, you know, the security issues because I think that the IDF is strong enough. We're one of the strongest armies in the world and definitely one of the strongest ones in the Middle East. I mean, there are no real threats per se on, on uh, the existence of, of the state of Israel. But when you're looking at what's happening here in the terms of, you know, political uh, clashes and the state and religious clashes between the secular and the Jews, in a way, I think that American Jews are living more peacefully with each other. Is it something that you witnessed or is it something that is just something that we think it doesn't really exist there? I think there's definitely a lot less tension among American Jews and a lot more uh, you know, live and let live mentality that, okay, we might disagree when it comes to our theology or our politics, right? I might be a an ultra-Orthodox Republican from uh, the five towns, and you might be a progressive, liberal, a Jew of no religion from the Upper West, but that's cool, you know? And, and I think because we're still, both of us are members of the tribe and we're still a minority in America, we still feel some sort of level of connectedness to each other and willingness to accept the fact that we're different, but we're still part of the same group. I also think that in many ways in America, those two types might not interact very often, at least not on a Jewish sphere. Like, they're not going to celebrate their holidays in the same synagogue, okay. and they're not going to, I don't know, they might not even hang out in the same Jewish film festival, right? They have different interests, and, and they might, okay, you're there, and I'm here, and we can live peacefully side by side each other, but not with each other. I think something about our reality in Israel is different. First of all, you know, I live in Jerusalem where a third of the population is, is Arab, a third of the population is ultra-Orthodox, and a third of the population, I'll call it liberal, be it liberal Orthodox or liberal secular. I cannot separate myself, really, in a city like this from Jews who think differently than me. They're all around me, and they impact policy in my city, and they impact the, how my city looks like, like the actual visual of the city, and they impact the education system that my kids go to, right? So I can't just live and let live. And when you're running a Jewish state, um, and there's politics involved, and there's power involved, and there's money involved, budgets and whatnot, it all becomes a lot more charged. But even beyond all of that, I think there's this sense of solidarity here among Jews. I think we have other issues with our non-Jewish residents of Israel, which is a different conversation altogether. Okay. But among Jews, I think it's somewhere, it, it, you know, it's in our kishkes. We, we feel like if something bothers us, then it truly bothers us. It's like, no, we really want to convince you that your politics are wrong or your theology is wrong. And because we're so intertwined and we're so, you know, in each other's guts, guts, yeah, no, in each other's personal sphere, we can't just ignore it. We can't. It really in deep place bothers us. And then there's wonderful things that come with it. Like, you know, again, the sense that people really care about each other and really want to change. It's a warm society. It's, it doesn't lack that distance and coolness that we might find in North America. 
At the same time, it's very intense. And there's a sense of the fact that it's very intrusive, that people are determining for you how your life is supposed to look like and what's the correct way to be Jewish. It'd be very harmful and very challenging. Oh, definitely. I remember Yom Kippur in my neighborhood. I lived in a very diverse neighborhood, the Nevea Hov. Mm-hmm. Now it's a Haredi neighborhood, but it used to be only one part of it was ultra-Orthodox. The other part was secular and what we call Masorti, but in the Israeli way, not Masorti in the American way, which means that most people don't wear a kippah. They only go to shul on the high holidays and maybe on a, the evening of Shabbat. And they still smoke and go see, a, you know, football games on Shabbat, which was a great way. I mean, as a kid, I remember it, but... On Yom Kippur, it was one of the biggest clashes. We had one neighbor who was completely secular because he was, his parents were Holocaust survivors. So he would make alaesh in his kitchen so everybody can smell it and everybody's, <laughs> uh, you know, outside fasting. And on the other hand, I remember that some kids used to throw stones at cars that were driving. And most times it was in cases of emergency of somebody taking, you know, a family relative to to the hospital and something. So it was always, you know, crazy to see that. And as a kid, I couldn't understand all of these things. So as you were saying, it is interesting to see because everybody was getting into everybody else's uh, kishkes, as we like to say. You know, you're talking about what Israelis are blinded by. And uh, what are the Americans, you know, blinded about Israel and Israel? You know, it's also something that, uh, that bothers me because you're living now in Israel and you're hosting me in your beautiful home here in Rechavia, which is the best neighborhood in the world, by the way, besides the Moshavah Germanit. I will, I will, I'm taking it back. We are both concerned from those growing gaps. What are the things that you see that Americans don't see about Israel and Israelis and assuming about? And how do you think we can work things out? So... It's a two-way street. Just like the thriving American Jewish community is a threat to the Zionist narrative of negation of the diaspora and the fact that the only place where Jews will be able to make it big and secure their future is in Israel, at the same time, Israel is a threat to the people who chose to go to America and felt like the Zionists are these, you know, these weirdos that are going to, you know, what, what's this weird, ridiculous idea to form a Jewish nation state in the Middle East, right? That's never going to succeed. And the future of Jewish life is actually in America, integrating into the American society, accomplishing the American dream, fighting for religious freedom so Jews could remain Jewish in America. In many ways, when you see this expression of particularistic Judaism in, in Israel, a nation state, you know, with an Orthodox establishment, with a monopoly, with a strong army and very strong nationalistic sentiments, right? that threatens the narrative of American Jews. That threatens the belief system of American Jews. And I think American Jews have a lot to gain from particularistic Judaism as well. I think American Jews are struggling to find the balance between their unique heritage and, and rich culture and the fact that they are now five, six, seven generations in North America, and that their Judaism is now only one out of a mosaic or multiple identities that they hold. I'm concerned with the fact that American Jews, because they have multiple identities, and that's very natural in the postmodern world, it's, it's okay, we all hold many identities, but I'm scared about the role 
that the Jewish identity plays within the larger puzzle of their identities. I feel like it's becoming less and less of a dominant role, less and less of an identity that informs what they do on a regular basis. It's something that they consume in moments in time, be it bar mitzvahs or prayer services, high holidays, whatever, um, and not something that really informs every moment in their life. I also think that, that when it does, and many times, it's in a very watered-down level. It's like, oh, Judaism tells us to be a good person, and this is what being a good person means for me as a liberal progressive person. And I think Judaism, it's more than just, you know, this Protestant, Protestant Judaism, I would call it, right? No, Judaism actually has rich content, deep philosophy, practical ceremonies, you know, things that you actually have to do. It's not just the sentiment of being a good person, a moral person and whatnot. And I think Judaism in Israel, in many ways, expresses all of those things. And I think American Jews, if they look towards Israel, can take that richness of, of Jewish culture and particularistic Jewish culture and infuse it into their very universalist life in America. How do they do that? that I mean, that's a great question. Unfortunately, I think a big tragedy that American Jews are facing is the fact that they don't know Hebrew. In many ways, Israeli culture that's being developed right now is, is blocked because they don't have a way to consume it because they don't know the language in which it's written or performed. And it's a shame because they're losing out on such a rich culture that's being developed right now that could substitute for many of them the religious aspect of Judaism that doesn't appeal to them anymore. And I totally understand why religion does not appeal to a liberal, secular American Jew nowadays, but it doesn't mean that you need to, you know, say, okay, Judaism has nothing to offer me anymore because Judaism is so much more than religion as Israel, as the culture that's being developed right now in Israel has to, has to prove. And I wish, I wish that they were able to, to access this culture more and, and consume it more because I think it would really enrich American Jewish life. I will say in their defense, because you're mentioning a lot of what you said actually resembles Israeli secular point of view. But for Israelis living in Israel, it's a lot easier because once again, as we said, holidays and Shabbat are embedded. I mean, when you send your kids to a public kindergarten, everything is around, you know, the holidays and the seasons and the seasons and the holidays are usually combined, you know, so you have the Jewish, I would say, background embedded in the system, while in the U.S. you actually need to make an effort to, to bring it up. And I agree with you about Hebrew. It's a beautiful language, and I think that every Jew should make the effort. But one last thing that I want to ask sure. before we are, uh, because we're, our time is almost up, unfortunately, but we'll figure out another time. So to continue the discussion continue this conversation. So you came up with the new Jew and now you're working on a second season. You're also planning a tour to the US with Guri Alf. And that's supposed to be, hopefully, if COVID will not uh, give us any more trouble, should be in upcoming October. Correct. What are you trying to achieve? I mean, uh, because this TV show was aimed for Israelis. Are you trying to show American Jewry that Israelis are also opened to what's going on in America or? Uh... Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So yes, we originally created the TV series for an Israeli crowd and it was you know, subsidized by 
Israeli public TV. And that was definitely the goals of the show. As we were creating the show already, and as we were interviewing, people were telling us, you know, I think this project will really interest American Jews as well. And once we had our final cut for the series and we were able to show it to our donors in America and to the American Jewish establishment, they all said, wow, this is really fascinating. We believe that American Jews, especially young American Jews, are not familiar themselves with this rich tapestry that puts the, you know, the, of, of American Jewish life uh, in America. So first of all, it's exposing American Jews to expressions of Jewish life that they might not be familiar with in their own hometown, in their neighborhood, in their synagogue, but showing them a much broader spectrum, Jews that come from different ethnic backgrounds, Jews that have different religious beliefs, Jews who express their Judaism in non-religious terms altogether, really trying to bring up questions of Jewish identity in America, which American Jews sometimes tend to avoid speaking about. So that's one part of it. But I think another draw for American Jews to come and watch, see the series, and again, we're also beyond the tour, we're hoping that the, the series will air in North America in 2022. We're working on distribution rights and everything that comes with that. But I think something that's going to be really interesting for them to see is how do Israelis see us? How are we perceived by someone that in many ways is similar to us, but in other ways is so fundamentally different than us? And it allows American Jews, it's like, it's like, like look at the mirror and to receive a reflection and process their own Jewish identity and process the dialogue or lack of dialogue that we have between the two epicenters. Because just as much as we're trying to encourage American Jews, sorry, encourage Israelis to talk to American Jews, like I said earlier, it's a two-way street, and we need to encourage American Jews to engage in a true dialogue with Israelis. And there's something about the show that's very authentic, that's very straightforward in the reactions of Guli towards uh, the different experiences that we experienced in, in, in this, this journey and, and creation of the show that I think present that mirror to American Jews. It's like, oh, this is what they think of us, or this is how it might be perceived by Israelis that they're not aware of. And I think that the series in many ways what we really created here is we created a tool, we created a text that could bring American Jews and Israelis together to start talking about the hard questions that we don't talk about usually. The series could be a mediator in this conversation or an equalizer. And my hopes is that beyond just people watching the show is that educational institutions, schools, synagogues, you know, whatnot, use it as this tool to start creating this, this dialogue and engaging people in, in this, which I think is at this current moment in time, so pivotal and so detrimental to our future. If, if we don't engage in this conversation now, I think we're like in the last moment where we can still hold these conversations. This next generation is gonna be so far apart that we might see, you know, having, having two different models of what it means to be a Jew that don't, you know, have no conversation between them. And that, for me as a Jewish educator, is very, very scary. That's the goal, and we're excited. We're very much excited about bringing this to America and seeing the response of the general public there. I'm looking forward to see you in New York when you, you get there. And I wish you all the luck with the TV show. It's really great, highly recommended. Also for American Jews, I think you can learn a lot from it. And it's also very funny because Guri Alfi is one of Israel's top seriously top comedians so i really want to thank you for your time and for everything you shared with me and we're definitely gonna you know have a 
it's it's just the beginning of our uh, conversation here. So thank you, Moshe, well, for joining us. Thank you so us. much. Thank you so much for having us. And thank you guys for uh, listening to another episode of Balagan. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and wanted to thank you for joining me. If you like my podcast, feel free to rank it and share it with others. I also invite you to subscribe to my podcast so you will get updates when a new episode is on the air. And last but not least, I invite you to check my website, Balagan, www.balagan.ltd, for more content about Israel's history and politics. Bye for now, and have a great day.